0: gridiron show and it's a gridiron show sans Ollie, he is currently on a flight to la for the gridiron tour 2016 we were hoping to catch up with him this evening there's a reason we can't and we'll get on to that in just a moment so i am ably assisted by the legendary paolo bandini who's in the studio we've got a couple of cracking telephone guests as well as we preview week 11 this is the gridiron show going to let the intro go nice and long as an ode to ollie uh will gavin and paolo bandini in the studio as usual get in touch with us at gridiron thank you very much for tuning in a little bit more of that uh we always enjoy (laughs) when you join us uh uh, we're coming up we're going to be speaking with vinnie bonsignore uh, who covers the LA Rams. You've heard him on the Talk Sport 2 show and on this show before about the fact that Jared Goff will be starting his first ever game in the NFL, the number one overall pick. Again, that Ollie will be at this Sunday. And we'll be speaking with Richard Graves from Sky Sports on Tony Romo and getting all totes a this week. Uh But, Paolo, first of all, thank you for coming in and covering more than ably for Ollie Hunter. How are you, sir?
1: I'm pretty good. Yeah, a little bit cold out. Winter's biting, but other than that, Life's okay.
0: I actually, I have not been outside since about eleven thirty this morning. So I've been covering the tennis here at Talksport too. So, in fairness, uh, it's
1: also it's quite cold in here. Someone here's obviously thought, you know what, this time of year needs good air
0: conditioning. Do you want so me, just, you want me uh, to come and turn the air conditioning? <laughs> <I didn't even laughs> that probably? was an option. <laughs> uh, there's a thing on the wall there, and you can just change the temperature oh, wow. on it. Do you want me okay. to come in and do that for you? Uh, no, don't worry about. It. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, well, maybe when we dial up our guest, uh, yeah. I'll do that. um I mentioned it, but Ollie is not with us today. He was going to be joining us on the phone because he should have been landing in uh, in LA at some point in the next hour or so. Except Ollie missed his flight. Oh. <laughs> oh ollie is o- re- what really ollie uh, <laughs> ollie, <laughs> uh, ollie <laughs> just genuinely when he messaged me well no he didn't even message me he rung me to ask what he should do and whether there's basically any money to cover another flight that is seven and nine bullshit. ollie overslept then got caught in traffic because of an accident on the M25. And by the time he got to Heathrow, he was told that he could go through security, but there was no guarantee he was going to get on his flight. And they thought it was unlikely he'd get on his flight and that he should trail elsewhere. So he had to get an Uber across London to Gatwick. And he's flying with Air Norway to LA. £300. What? It's the super basic... Air, the, air norway like the easy jet of long haul flights he won't have leg room he won't have an entertainment system he won't have anything
1: yeah but ollie's but, very small and also of an in of himself quite entertaining so he can probably come ride like the entertainment for the,
0: <laughs> for the whole <laughs> plane i just i was I, I sent him a message at the Ollie. airport just saying look let me know when you arrive if we've got time we'll get you on the podcast and yeah, what a way to start the Gridiron Tour 2016. <laughs> superstar. He'll be at the game uh, between the Rams and uh, and the Dolphins as we can. And coming up, we'll be speaking with Vinny Bossignore on that game. Uh, and He'll be having interviews and stuff. He'll be in Mexico on Monday night to see the Raiders take on the Texans. Then going for Thanksgiving at Dallas, heading up to the Jets-Pats game. And going to Philadelphia Eagles against the Green Bay Packers on Monday night. So, even if he hasn't had to spend that £300 himself, I think he'll get over it. I, I, I mean, I
1: slightly can't get over 300 pounds that's sort of amazing i feel like i've spent more than that on a London black Cab at some point in the past I mean that's <laughs> that's astonishing you did
0: insist on going around the orbital four <laughs> times but, probably not I, four to be honest yeah,
1: but. I don't think I've actually gone over 300 pounds but the, the comparison feels you know not impossible
0: yeah uh, no absolutely it's utterly ridiculous um, just to update you as well from the Gridiron Tour 2017 which uh, we're doing in association uh, with the guys at, uh, at uh, Touchdown Trips so we are looking at a Dirty South Tour obviously we can't tell you until the schedule comes out because we don't know when there's going to be a sunday thursday sunday sunday thursday monday type runner games but we're planning to do tennessee atlanta New Orleans in and around that stretch maybe get to a bama game on one of the saturdays either side as well um and we're very much looking to keep it nice and affordable this year in and around the 2000 pound mark including your flights your accommodation and your game tickets so start saving now and we'll make the big announcement in april when the schedule's released once we have clarity on it we will try and avoid the london games if we possibly can as well uh it promises to be a really good fun time with touchdown trips so uh you'll hear ollie on these weeks and you'll be so jealous that you'll start to put it outside just look between now and august it's what 200 pounds a month like just think about it just don't go to the cinema a few times don't don't get any takeaways i like it's worth it to spend two weeks with me and ollie let's be honest Paolo's not even <laughs> acknowledging it. Says Paulo, well, yeah, "I'm demanding I missed media I'm, day I'm, at the Super Bowl, so I can come up and pick him up from the airport." I'm just, you
1: know, I'm just sort of wondering when I'm getting my official invite. hasn't uh, yeah, hasn't wa- been extended yet. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome to come. You've
0: just got to pay. That's the problem. <laughs> um, that's not your payment for coming in and doing the show today. <sighs> right, I'm off then. <laughs> There's loads to get to from this week. Loads of week 11 games. Some that we're not so bothered about that we'll gloss over quite quickly. Some we'll talk about in a bit more depth. Uh, But let's start off by talking about Thursday night football. Because the Carolina Panthers took on the New Orleans Saints and despite a late rally from the Saints, it finished Carolina 23, New Orleans 20. Genuinely the big news from this game. Was the fact that Luke Keekley went off with what looked like a really nasty concussion. Mm. He has entered the concussion protocol. He was, uh, you know, struggling to catch his breath. He was clearly in tears, eyes glazed over. It looked like a really, really nasty hit. And, and Mark, I mean, Mark Ingram had something similar in the first half, but nowhere near as bad. And I just feel like, Paolo, I look at these two teams. I look at what happened yesterday and I think, have you kind of ended both of each other's seasons with that with that result.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what's happened. Um, I mean, the Panthers' uh, next two games are at Raiders, at Seahawks, Oof. and they can sort of hardly afford another loss anyway at this point. So, doing that almost certainly without Luke Hickley, um it's you know uh, certainly for the first of those anyway you would have thought uh, is is a huge tall order. And I, I just don't see enough about this team to believe that they're not a team that will slip up again. Even if they didn't have the the worst possible schedule, I mean, this game. Uh, it really felt like uh, actually the Saints kept letting them back into it to an extent and so part of that's fashion their own opportunities and uh, Caroline had a couple of of missed opportunities as well, Ted Ginn uh, coming up just short of the end zone early in the game. And uh, quickly indeed, with a uh, kick-off, ret- uh, kick-return kick blocked, uh, which he took back to the house, although I think they s- still scored on the drive afterwards.
0: Yeah, they got called back uh, for a penalty, but they did go on and score. Yeah. And th- that 10-point swing before half-time was absolutely huge, because yeah. missing the field goal. The Saints, for the second time in a week, managed to... And I- I- Will Lutz, not to blame for either of them, as far as I could see. Maybe a little low on the kick last night, but... You, you kind of, you just couldn't believe it for that point in the Saints. That looked like it was going to bring them back to what, 13-6 down, Mm. and instead they went 23 behind in at the half. I got a little bit frustrated because, I'm going to be honest with you, I slept through the first quarter. <laughs> woke up about halfway into the second quarter, saw all the action. And then the second half, I just got really frustrated because, whilst I appreciate that what the Saints have done in recent weeks has become much more of a, a run-heavy offence, much more of a, a, a ball-control offence, mm. there's one point where they drove for eight minutes and kicked a field goal. Mm. Then in the fourth quarter, they had another six or seven-minute drive, which resulted in the touchdown. But... There were a number of times where they went to the huddle and where they really took their time getting to the line. And if you actually look at how the game ended, if... What they gave was they gave a situation where Carolina needed one first down to kill the game. And Cam Newton, who up to that point was completing 40% of his passes, he was 13 for 32, 178 yards of a touchdown, was not having a good night, had a big completion to Kelvin Benjamin, who was practically triple-covered in the zone. Really, really big play, you know, MVP-type player coming up in a big situation. Why is the phone ringing? That is so frustrating. Um <laughs> just in the middle of a great so, a so, in, my flow, so yeah. in my flow um but if they'd had say another minute on the clock because they'd hurried the f up earlier mm. then actually you think all right 15 yard line but you give them a minute and 15 seconds and you give it to drew Brees. that's enough time to at least get a field goal and tie the game
1: yeah i mean you're absolutely bob on and i think that if anyone hasn't seen that um that one Cam Newton throw on third down it's worth revisiting because actually you know it's not just that um, Benjamin's triple covered it's that the, the pocket is completely collapsing on top of him he's, he's just stands in there and gets hit by about three guys at the same time to make that throw um, and, and, uh, and I think that to me was sort of the sort of the, the summary of this game almost the Saints were the better team they played better team football through the game they are better on defense than they used to be they are um capable of building these long drives but carolina in clutch moments made clutch plays i think by Ginn catching uh, having not a touchdown on the run catching a ball at the back of the end zone really dragging his is his, uh, his foot making a really impressive catch that was the difference and as as we started off saying i don't think in the end it helps either of them because the panthers aren't good enough to, to win out from here and the saints are probably now in in too deep of a hole themselves but it's uh uh yeah, two two teams that are flawed in, in very different ways, I guess.
0: Yeah, Saints, just to mention Cameron Jordan, Donnell Ellerby who had a great day, Nick Fairley, who had a number of really explosive plays. In fact, just before that third and ten completion, he got through and got to Cam Newton. And yeah, overall, you're absolutely right. The Saints' defence looks a lot better. But there's now teams who sit two games behind 500 and, and well off what the Falcons are now on. And do and you think... Unless Carolina go on some miracle run and go out and win both, if they if they go out and beat both the Saints and the Raiders, they suddenly turn into a favourite to make the NFC Championship game. As far as I'm the, the concerned, the Seahawks and the Raiders, yeah, the Seahawks and yeah. the Raiders. Sorry, who did, what did I say? The Saints. Saints yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, then suddenly they do, but I don't expect them to do either of those no, they, things. Both
1: road games as well. Just to say again, both road games. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen.
0: Hanging out on the West Coast, <laughs> I reckon the West Coast would suit Cam Newton. And it's that kind of. He's got that vibe to him. Those those funky clothes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> he had some. He had some extraordinary shoes. Uh, I mean, you say you stepped through the first quarter. I stepped through all four quarters and caught up this afternoon. But I've seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen some pictures of the, the cleats he was wearing. I assume only for pre-game warm-ups. But his uh, his cleats had actual tails on them.
0: Yes, yeah. love that. Pretty special. <laughs> So uh, let's speak to our first of of two guests this evening. We're speaking to two guests about young quarterbacks and uh, a game which has caused some consternation with uh, fans in the UK, and I'll explain to our guest why. But first of all, Paolo, as our resident Italian, I want you to introduce our guest from (laughs) Los Angeles, because when we had him on the Talks War 2 show, I nailed the name. So we need to see if you get it back on. Well, as an Italian, I would say it, Vini Bonsignore. I
1: don't know if that's uh, very good. Yeah, good. Okay, because I don't know because I, I have this as well because I'm you know I, I have an Italian dad and I grew up in England and I know how things get subtly changed and I was just uh, saying to Will before he came on air, you know Paul Tagliabue that's that's an that's an Italian name but I'm assuming that uh, his own family at some point gave up on the Tagliabue which is how I would have said it as an Italian.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it. And uh, you know I was born in New York and spent your uh, you know at first a few years there, but then came out to California with my family, and there's a stark difference between how uh, the Italian culture is received in New York compared to California, and so the name got butchered the further west that we got, so, you know, at this point, it's been called everything that you can imagine, especially here in California, but at this point, Bonsignore is fine, but I've heard a million different versions of it and uh, and you were spot on so thank you for that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well I mean from what we've learned from America over the last few weeks we thought New York was now the hub of uh, intolerance right? No let's not get into that, that's a topic of <laughs> conversation not, for not. another time Um uh, Levinny, the reason we wanted to speak to you is obviously Jared Goff making his first start this weekend at the Coliseum against the Miami Dolphins and the reason that this has caused some some ire amongst fans in the UK is that our national broadcaster here for the NFL has decided that this is such a big news story, that they're no longer going to show Eagles-Seahawks as their lead game in the mid-kickoffs, but instead they're going to show us the Rams-Dolphins. Is Jared Goff going to justify that decision in any way?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, I, first of all, for, for 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 the UK's purposes, I hope he puts on a show He's he's very much capable of that. He's a very highly skilled quarterback. Um, but I, hey, if I'm in the UK right now, I want to see Seahawks against the Eagles. That's by far a better game, but I guess it being Los Angeles and Jared being the top pick overall, there is definitely intrigue in that, but for a whole country to have to watch this rather than a premier game like the Eagles against the the Seahawks, I'm feeling your pain, guys.
1: This uh, this uh, the whole scenario makes me think of I don't know if you uh, picked up on this, Vinny, but uh the the new John Madden game, the, the most recent edition, which uh, I remember sitting with a buddy who just got it and, d- and he downloaded it, and of course when you loaded up, they only let you play with two teams right at the beginning, and it was uh, the Rams Washington, I think, and there was a certain sense of oh maybe not the the glamour the glamour matchup you wanted for the first couple hours that you were looking for, unfortunately, but um it's uh it's it's interesting to me with with uh, with Jared Goff uh, he there's this obvious sort of idea that he has a stronger arm uh, and so you get him in the lineup and it's not only going to do something for the passing game and it might open up opportunities for Todd Gurley as well would you subscribe to that?
2: Yeah well that's the hope anyway and but yeah uh, theoretically it should Uh, you know Jared even just watching him in practice you know his skill set from day one has been superior to Case Keenan. That's not a big shocking secret or anything like that. Mm. You know Case Keenan was an undrafted rookie free agent. Jared Goff was the top overall pick in his draft, so there should be a, uh, a stark difference. But when you actually see it and you understand that Jared Goff is six foot five in every bit the six <laughs> foot five uh, that he's listed as, and can and can really fling the ball and gets it out quick and, and makes quick reads, there's a lot that he can do in the offensive passing game that you would hope if you're a Rams fan would then transfer over to to uh to Todd Gurley and opening up the running game because you know when I you watch these games from the press box and consistently play after play after play after play opposing defenses are putting at least 10 guys at the line of scrimmage and that 11th guy their safety a lot of times only about eight yards maybe Mm. 10 yards off the line of scrimmage so he's right there as well so it's just you know a wall in front of in front of Gurley because they haven't respected Case Keenum's ability to to beat him downfield. Well, as if if Jared Goff can show that the ability to do that, which I think he can, and that's gonna change the way opposing defenses approach the Rams. And again, theoretically, that should help Todd Gurley.
0: I think if I was a member of the Rams defensive unit right now, and I- I'll admit I've stolen these stats entirely from someone else off the internet, but the, l- the last three games going up against potentially really explosive offences, certainly in the Giants and the Panthers and maybe less so the Jets, but they've restricted teams to one touchdown in uh, per team in 35 drives. Three touchdowns in 35 drives. They've restricted the Giants to 17 points, the Panthers to 13, the Jets to just nine and uh to just six sorry and yet they've come away with one win from those three and when you consider how bang average the nfl is right now a lot of teams around 500 just a little bit of offense and the rams could be a relevant team right now
2: well therein lies the chagrin and frustration among the rams the team itself and the fans because you just hit the nail on the head they are playing lights out defensively um And to only have one win show for all that great defensive work, is I mean, in the last four weeks anyway, is really, really frustrating because they have played winning football on that side of the ball. And yes, exactly, if they could just get a little bit of offense and, you know, average league, average offense, or even just a little bit below 20 points a game, if they could get 20 points a game rather than the 13, 10, 16 they've been scoring, it could be all the difference in the world. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Not even saying that Jared Goff is going to provide that, although they hope that he does. But if he can, it definitely changes the dynamic of the Rams because otherwise you could you even throw special teams in there. They've got a punter that's just booming the ball. You've got a great uh, kick return, or t- excuse me, kick defense and punt return defense. Everything's clicking in a playoff caliber way aside from the offense. Now, can Jared Goff be the difference? I sure hope he
1: can. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a, a an interesting question here because I actually uh, I was living out in, in Missouri for a couple of years and I was there when Jeff Fisher was new with that Rams team and actually you know that defense certainly when you look at the line there has been the the a really good defensive line even though some of the players on it have changed and evolved there's been a really good defensive lines in uh well in st louis now in los angeles for like four or five years um before it was mm-hmm. chris long and it was michael brockers and you know and and uh, robert quinn who's obviously still there and has come on now you've got aaron donald playing the way he's playing like there is something really good there and there's gonna come a point and i almost have this you know the cynical part of me wants wants to say maybe there's a little bit of him protecting himself by not making this move early because there's a part of me that thinks, as long as Case Keenan was in that lineup, Jeff Fisher was protected for criticism for the fact that he hasn't got the offense going. And now that Jared Goff's in there. There's you know there's nothing else left that in the Arsenal. That is
0: seven and nine bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that made its way to the UK, huh?
0: <laughs> Very much so. Very much so.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I've wondered that too. You know, was was Jeff Fisher protecting himself by some of the moves that he made? Uh, earlier in the year in personnel, and especially specifically the quarterback position. But, you know, I, I've asked that question a million times to the various people within the organization. And, and you know, the, the short and long of it is that Jeff Fisher drafted Jared Goff as essentially his, his decision to make that pick over Carson Wentz and others. Um, it's his, It's been his leeway to proceed as he feels is accordingly uh, to, to fit Jared Goff's timeline. So everything that they've done from day one, even before they decided on Carson, excuse me, on, on Jared Goff, but everything has fit in a timeline that they've established. And I have to give them credit for sticking with their guns. I truly believe that Jeff Fisher wanted to see Jared Goff progress to a point he felt he could go out there and be a capable NFL quarterback and it had nothing else to do with anything else. Even, including his, you know, we all know that he's in the last year of his contract. He's trying to get an extension for two thousand sixteen and beyond. Uh, but I think that he had the best interest of the team, not himself, in mind when he made the decisions that he did. And, you know, if you ask, well why now? Why why are they making the switch now? Well there's a couple of different reasons. Number one, Case Keenan was obviously digressing, as was the offense over the last three or four weeks. And in the meantime and simultaneously, Jared dropped off making significant strides in the classroom and in practice. And I just think that those train tracks crossed at this particular time, I frankly thought he should have done it a week before. But at least they got the win going to New York, barely against the Jets. So, so they lived uh, to tell about that. But it just got to a point where we can't keep going out there playing with one arm tied behind our back, especially when our defense is giving us everything that they're giving us. If this, this would be different if they were losing thirty-eight to six or or twenty-eight to thirteen. You know, then you're not. Stopping anybody, and you're also not scoring. But man, this defense is playing. They deserve better than what the offense has given them. And the hope is that Jared Goff can provide. It.
1: I, I guess the, the other question I want to ask about uh, Goffney, which uh, is one which maybe you have a better feel for being out there and, and getting to be involved in, in when he's been talking to the media, is just. Uh, I don't know what sort of character is he. His, his social media is interesting because it seems to be a an a, a awful lot, and this was something he got uh, picked up on in some media at the beginning. And it also seems to be a lot of awful lot of plugs for different companies on his social media, and you know, I know that uh, I saw a thing of him in the week, sort of all very excited, but then sad he hadn't got to see Britney Spears, who was down at Rams training. And I don't know—is is, he—is that a fair reflection of him? That he's sort of a little bit—I uh, don't know—it feels a bit superstar, a little bit superstar in his mindset, but that may be completely unfair.
2: I, a little bit unfair. I think that more than anything, uh, he's, he's pretty protective and, and, and guarded right now. Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've talked about this, uh, a, a, as well. There's only one number one pick. You know, Carson Wentz was the number of two pick. He wasn't the number one pick. Doc Prescott, as we all know, was what, a fifth round pick, I think. So there's only one guy that's playing with that target on his back. The, the, and that, those expectations, the guy that was the number one pick overall, and that's Jared Goff. And I think, you know, Early in the season, I think that got to him a little bit. I, I, and when I say early in the season, I mean training camp and, and in the preseason. I think he was carrying that weight a little bit too much. I think the eight weeks that he didn't play or nine games that he didn't play allowed him to just sort of ease into it and kind of learn behind the, behind the scenes and, and at a pace that was conducive to him and what the Rams felt uh, was appropriate. And I just notice a more, much more settled down Jared Goff in a lot of different ways, especially in practice when he gets on the field and you know goes on eleven eleven against the first team defense. It's just a stark contrast to what he was earlier. So I think as he gets more comfortable and get eases into this job, I think I think everything else about him, including his personality, is going to start coming out a little bit more. And I, you know, like I said, I, I maybe I'm playing a little bit too much pop psychologist here, but I did notice that from him that maybe the whole top pick overall and coming to Los Angeles with the Rams and the Mm 2nd biggest media market and the future uh, face of this franchise, there was a lot of pressure involved in that, more so than maybe other top picks overall in the last couple of years. So, you know, hopefully for him, he's gotten over that little hurdle. And he can just go out there and play football because if that's what he does and the line can give him a little bit of protection, he is the top pick overall I and mean, he, he was a high quality quarterback in college and you would, you would expect that that would continue in the NFL uh,
0: Vinny thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it and I just I'll finish by saying uh, Ollie Hunter who you've met who's the producer of the uh, TalkSport 2 show and, and hosts this show with us as well uh, he's actually in LA well he's going to land in about two three hours time for a very fleeting visit for the game tomorrow before heading to Mexico for the game with the Raiders and the Texans so he's only got one one night in LA tomorrow night he's doing a tour of the Coliseum in the day where should he go tomorrow night in LA to make sure he has the best time
2: well you know what if you're coming out to LA especially now the weather is beautiful tell him to get out to Manhattan Beach and just enjoy the strand and enjoy uh, that area it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow and tomorrow night uh, there's a lot of nice uh, eateries and, and drinkeries, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> uh, in that area. So, so you can never go wrong with Manhattan Beach. Can, I, can you give me one second? Because i got to uh, let you guys know about something. I was so impressed with London. I loved it when I, when we were there with the Rams. And, you know, when I, since coming back, I've definitely hit up, you know, uh, sources in the NFL and people that I know in the NFL. And, and the question is, hey, when are you guys going to really get a team? in london and just i'm not trying to you know get expectations way up and way high but the, the the timeline of three to four years is certainly it very been very consistent in in what i've been hearing so i don't know how it will you know come about whether it's an expansion or whether it's the jacksonville jaguars who have always been you know rumored to potentially make that move uh getting out there i do believe Sooner rather than later, we're going to see a team in London. I think that would be an awesome thing.
0: And Vinny, we'd more than welcome you coming back out to cover them, hopefully, against the Rams, or just come out and and have another sojourn because we enjoyed having you here. Vinny, uh, uh, really enjoyed, and uh, thank you very much for joining us.
2: All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care.
0: Cheers, Vinny. Good man, Vinny Bossignore from the, not from the LA Times I was going to (laughs) say, do you know what, I've been so thrown by the fact that my lunch turned up halfway through that interview that (laughs) I I left it to you, but you did an admirable job, Paolo, so I appreciate uh, that. Ollie, we need to talk about the
1: fact that you're using the word luncheon at 6.30 in the evening.
0: Yeah, I... I (laughs) I was up watching Panthers Saints this is lunch to me. I had four weetabix this morning because I was very hungry and now I'm eating a pesto pasta salad jobby whilst between I've turned down my mic when you talk basically. Uh, nice. uh, should we crack on let's speak with Richard Graves let's talk cowboys and then we'll talk about all of the uh, the week 11 games that matter. So, joining us on the line now from Dallas, where he is out there to enjoy two games in the space of five days, including Thanksgiving. Uh, what a job. What a job it would be to be Sky Sports News NFL reporter. Richard Graves joins us now. a Massive Cowboys fan as well. And we were just discussing how horrendously jealous we are of you.
3: <laughs> well, I'm willing to bet, given I logged on to Facebook first thing this morning, and all I've seen from the north of England is snow no ploughs, traffic jams on motorways, and I'd love to empathise with everyone, but I've got to tell you, we've got a nice cold beer in my hand here, there's not a cloud in the sky, it's at least 22 degrees, and life's good, fellas.
0: Do you work shy sky fobs do anything?
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's all what you don't see where the hard work goes in.
0: Oh, right, I see. That's
3: what I'm going to tell you anyway.
0: (laughs) Look, Grace, the reason I wanted to to specifically speak with yourself and with Paolo is obviously there's a big game this weekend uh, against the Ravens, and I'm sure the phrase number one ranked run defence will come out again, but... Uh, the big thing for me was the Romo press conference earlier this week because it happened the day after we did our last show and we've not really had a, a chance to discuss this in any real depth with uh, with the fans or, or with anyone. And first of all, just from some nice thinking NFL fans like yourself and like Paolo, I want to get your reaction to what you thought of the press conference overall and what you think it does to the dynamic of the team.
3: Well, I watched it live and I've got to say... Uh, as far as uh, a megastar type player, I mean, this is equivalent to Ibrahimović in, in the Premier League, uh, Wayne Rooney coming out uh, and giving a press conference. It, this literally, ball networks stopped it in America for 10 minutes while Tony Romo delivered a pre-prepared statement when I, it went down hugely well. It, it was heartfelt. You could see how he was torn in, in himself because let's face it, guys, This man's been a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for the last 10 years. He's lost his job to injury, and as much as he would love to walk straight back into that team, even he has had to look at the situation and say, this rookie quarterback has led the team to eight successive wins. It's the best record in the NFL right now. And he cannot supply a tangible argument to win back his job. Um, Quite interestingly, when I landed in Dallas yesterday... Uh, He turned on the the local radio uh, networks and Stephen Jones had apparently given a a press briefing whereby he said that Tony Romo came up to to him and and Jason Garrett and suggested that he be allowed to have a straight-out two-way battle for his job with Dak Prescott and the winner of that takes Mm. the starting job. I've got to say, kudos to the Dallas Cowboys rather than go for that, which I think it would have been fairly easy to do so given his relationship with the Joneses. They've looked at the situation and said that is unrealistic. This is the situation. You're the number two. And then we all saw what happened on, on Tuesday with the statement. So, from a PR perspective, I think it's been played very well. I've
0: got to say, I felt devastatingly sad for him in, in a way that I, I, it's odd that there's been a couple of Cowboys fans on Facebook, etc., who who haven't necessarily liked this, who have thought it's put too much pressure on Dak Prescott. But I, for me, it was you. you mentioned the word heartfelt, honest, I thought, as well. And you've just got to think, he's been waiting for this Cowboys team. Tony Romo, there's no doubt in my mind that his very best is up there with the top four or five quarterbacks who have been playing in the league in the last ten years. But he's been waiting for this team, this team with Ezekiel Elliott, this O-line, finally the defence starting to pull itself together as well he's been waiting for this for uh, nearly 10 years and the year that it comes round, he gets a, another injury and somebody else comes in and takes his job away i mean Paula, you, you must have watched it as well what did you make of everything yeah I, mean, I think rich has
1: said it very well in terms of the reaction so i don't think anyone could have watched it and not felt uh you know that this is a guy handling a extremely difficult situation in a noble and uh uh i don't know just exactly as you would want a, a teammate to handle it that's what he was he was a good teammate in that moment and um i think uh, uh yeah it was hard watching at times i think he sort of dipped into language which sort of acknowledged the darkness of, of some of his feeling about it which for all the reasons you've outlined he has every reason to feel dark about it, it is something that he thought was going to be his is now not going to happen and there's a bigger question for tony romo now which is with all these injuries who's you know, who's ready to take another another run at him is there going to be a team that's set up to win soon that's going to, going to want to chance them I think his talent is clearly enough that someone may well but it's his his future even as an NFL quarterback is not as certain as as it has been for a long time and I think that um that's got to be a lot to come to terms with
3: rich it's quite interesting you know folks as well because Jerry Jones gave another of his impromptu press briefings only yesterday when he he turned around and said. He's convinced that Tony Romo's still got four or five more years left of playing time in him. He's convinced he will be on a Super Bowl-winning team. Always known Jerry Jones to be
0: disillusioned. <laughs> <laughs> Delusional, even.
3: He's, he's great, great for us in the media with his fist-down bites, isn't he? He's fantastic. But he also said that at this point, he's not entertaining Tony Romo being anywhere else. Now, I've got to tell you, Tony Romo's on a $75 million contract That's going to count huge against the salary cap. There's no way you can carry a backup quarterback on on that sort of salary. So something's going to have to give. And my bet would be if Tony Romo wants to continue playing, then by somehow, some way, they'll find a way to engineer a trade that is acceptable to all parties in the off-season.
0: Do you know what I like is is the trade idea, and I've seen a few of them chucked around. This has obviously been one of the big stories, you know, the uh, American media loves to, to throw around these kind of things, but landing spots for Tony Romo. The idea that I do like, and the injuries do still concern me, but that he'd go to a team where they have a young quarterback who still does need to learn. The big ones that really catch my eye, Paxton Lynch in Denver. I mean, if they could get him for a year, two years in Denver, have Paxton Lynch sit and learn behind Tony Romo. Jared Goff's another one that's been thrown out there. I think this week kind of maybe ruins that balance because he has been thrown in as the starter. I don't think that he's going to go to a team like... The Browns, the Forty ers Yes, they've got a lot of cap space, but they're a rebuilding team. That's he needs to go somewhere where there's an existing Super Bowl window, and I think there are very few teams that sit on. They have an existing Super Bowl window, but they don't have a quarterback. It's it's a difficult mix that he's going to be able to find. Yeah, there was an interesting um,
1: uh, thing that uh, the, the, the MMQB published just uh, the other day, which is an interview that uh, Peter King did with uh, Roma before the season started, before he was injured. Um, and he was talking about when he first came into the league and being undrafted and, and the team that he picked and going to Dallas and uh, having had offers from other places that were for more money up front which when you're an undrafted rookie is, is something that's not to be sniffed at the difference between $20,000 and $10,000 it's a lot of money um, but uh, but he chose Dallas because he thought the opportunity was there he thought he'd have a chance to to, to to go and be a starter and I suppose there's sort of a symmetry there in now coming to this point of his career but unfortunately it's not just about being a starter now I mean you can't exactly as you said you can't be Tony Romo at the age he is and with the beating that he's taken and go play for the browns there's no point all you're going to do is hurt yourself and uh, and not get that that feeling of reward from it
0: he'd lost eight snaps in cleveland max <laughs> yeah absolute maximum um but all of that's detracting from the story on the field eight wins in a row ravens this weekend i'm sure Gravesy, that you're sitting there as you say with your nice cold beer <laughs> living the life feet up Loving, uh, just, uh, you made me feel sick. I'm not going to lie. I have to, the, the, what other fans are dealing with right now? And you're out there to watch probably another couple of back-to-back Cowboys wins on the way to that NFC One seed. Uh,
3: well, I've got to tell you, first and foremost, I can't wait for, for this Ravens game on Sunday. I think it the two teams line up against each other really well. You remember, I think it was week four or five when Dallas went to Green Bay. And I remember listening to it this very podcast and you were a great proponent of the number one run defense in the nfl of the packers i at the time felt that was a fraud and as it it so turned out i think the baltimore ravens run defense is the the real deal um it's worth noting as well that all time i think dallas are oh and four against the baltimore ravens they're the Mm -hmm. only team that dallas never beaten in the nfl and this defense has kept a struggling offense on, on, the tr- on the right tracks this season and it's the reason really let's be honest why Baltimore have the only winning record in in the AFC North I don't think they get the job done in Dallas on Sunday but I would not be surprised if they caught shock
0: I think what interests me about this Ravens defence and, and you mentioned the, offen- the faltering offence as being the problem I think for me if you're going to stop The Cowboys at this point, they're a good enough team that you do need both sides. No no team's going to come there with just one of the two units firing on all cylinders and be able to Mm. beat them, I don't think. I think you are going to need someone like the Seahawks who've got the roaming free safeties that can stop Ezekiel Elliott potentially and then have a decent offence as well. But what what I really like about this Ravens defence is that Outside of Eric Weddle, who's obviously a big name, but aging Terrell Suggs, who's a big name, it's guys like Timmy Jernigan. It's guys that these, these kind of uh, not no-name defensive linemen. They were picked high, yes, but they're not superstars, and they're doing it week in week out. And actually, it's why I kind of fancy the Ravens out of the north. Even though I'm, I'm with you, I don't think they're good enough to go and win in Dallas.
3: I completely agree, but I mean, we've all seen the Baltimore Ravens for long enough now. You know, this is the, exactly the type of matchup that defence will love and you've only got to look at some of the big name running backs they've gone up against this season Le'Veon Bell with mm-hmm. the Steelers uh, Lashawn McCoy at uh, the Buffalo Bills those two combined were limited to just 90 mm-hmm. total yards between them they can get the job done but this is by far the way the biggest test they'll face this year yet
0: so uh, just Graves predictions are the Cowboys going all the way to the Super Bowl am I going to be having to wear a Cole Beasley jersey at Wembley next season
3: Well, I I want to say yes, because I want to see you looking very uncomfortable for four hours in that Dallas Cowboys.
0: Just buy me a medium then. (laughs)
3: Uh, Look, I I think they'll make a run deep into the playoffs, whether they're good enough all round to beat the Seattle Seahawks, who are my preseason tip to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. Put my neck on the line there. As you well know, I always do.
0: Uh, (laughs) You'll have a bold (laughs) prediction, Rich. (laughs)
3: Well, Carolina Panthers at home last night on a short week. Who didn't see that? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, look, they've got the talent to do it. Whether they're going to be good enough to sustain it, handle the pressure, and all that goes with that, uh, to the Super Bowl, I don't know. I still have reservations about this defense, which has put up surprisingly good numbers, but we've seen on several occasions they are susceptible to um, being defeated in the air, although in the secondary, again, they played better this year I I, I still fancy the Seahawks but only just
0: Richard Graves Sky Sports News thank you very much for your time go and enjoy your beer and we'll sit here and slave (laughs) away in miserable cold London Uh,
3: I look forward to catching up soon guys catch you later
0: Richard Graves there Sky Sports News Uh, before we move on to look at any of the the rest of the week what are your thoughts on this Cowboys-Ravens game Paolo
1: (laughs) yeah I, I, I think um we've covered most of the, the obvious bases I do think I'm really fascinated to see how the Ravens handle Ezekiel Elliott because exactly as uh, Rich just said they did actually shut down Le'Veon Bell and they didn't I wouldn't say they shut down Le'Sean McCoy but 58 yards on 16 carries I mean they certainly made it a lot more difficult for him than pretty much anyone else and especially at that point in the season early in the season when McCoy had a bunch of big games I think um, I think it's going to be interesting in if that happens if they shut down Ezekiel Elliott there's going to be as you've said maybe a little bit of extra pressure on Prescott this week from from the Romo announcement there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to carry the team but in the end I feel like even if Baltimore are quite effective in shutting down Dallas I don't know that they have enough going for them on offence at the moment to, to counter punch and so I think uh, I expect Dallas to win the game
0: we didn't actually give a Dolphins Rams prediction after we spoke with uh, uh, Vinny Bossonero, who by the way is the NFL columnist with the Los Angeles Daily News and the Rams insider for LA AM's 570 Sports so there you go I've got his job title uh, there eventually he's a really good fun follow on Twitter uh dolphins at rams i have to say with the dolphins form since suddenly that defense has got really good and they've suddenly had the run game able to control it and and most importantly the left-hand side of the lines got healthy mm. they suddenly look like a, an actual genuine contender if it wasn't for the afc west i'd, I'd be maybe calling them a playoff team at this point And you've got to go and you've got to beat the Rams if that's the case.
1: Is the left side of the line fully healthy? I thought I'd seen that Brandon Albert wasn't going to play this week, but I could be wrong. if
0: you have, then uh, I've missed that entirely. Uh, Let me (laughs) check that. Since they've got healthy, i.e. since Brandon Albert and Laramie Tunsell have been playing together, and I know Brandon Albert, um, here we go, details on undergoing, he's undergone wrist surgery. Brilliant. But he will play again this season, apparently. So actually, maybe with that Rams defensive line, we're going to see the Dolphins revert to the mean, and these teams both turn into 500 teams again.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the, there are sort of I, I think the Dolphins will win I'm taking that on the basis of form the fact you've got a rookie quarterback in for the Rams but I've got two things that are giving me pause one of which is exactly that um, which is why it was in my head that um, Albert out tons of having to go back to tackle I think it's 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 not a great um, it's not a great look for an offensive line that's coming up against what sincerely is one of the most disruptive NFL inside interior linemen in the entire league um, I think having a, uh, you know to make changes in the interior when you've got um, Aaron Donald coming up against you is not a good look but um, The other thing that just bugs me, and this is an entirely unscientific impression that I have, is that the... the, Uh, Those are the best. That is what this whole show is based on, (laughs) Palo Always the best. The Dolphins are staying out on the West Coast this week. And... Mm -hmm this is a thing that has become more common teams staying out on a coast when when they have got two games that are big games i'm just not convinced that this actually works as often as people think it does it seems like it's a sort of nice idea in principle you go out there and spend the thing. but it's the same as with the london game when the, everyone thought at the beginning that if you sent people over at the beginning of the week it'd be good they get used to jet lag i think there's something about taking nfl players out of their standard monday to sunday routine that disrupts and that just takes a little bit of the edge away from teams and so that's my completely unscientific
0: hypothesis for why i also am Uh, less keen on the dolphins this week i I think the problem is is you hear from teams like the giants when they came over the first time and they cited the london game and they were in a better situation they were this time but Mm. they cited that as a big factor in their eventual super bowl run Mm. because they had that camaraderie it was like doing training camp again It kind of depends on the team, I guess. Miami, right now, are in a good position. I feel like if you're the Panthers and you're at four and six and you're going to go and stay out on the West Coast for a week, you better win that first game. Otherwise, the whole week is going to be spent Feeling a bit sorry for yourself, whilst not being at home, whilst not having those other factors to help you? So it's an interesting hypothesis. I yeah, like it.
1: And, uh, well, you know, and, and I think you've just you've provided a really neat counterpoint to it. I mean, I, I can follow up by saying, and uh, I think I can say this because it'll be in the next issue of Gridiron Magazine.
0: Yep, nice, uh, good. Uh,
1: Matthew Sherry, plug there for you. Yeah, I, I, I was chatting to Clark Hunt this uh, this week, and he was talking about how um, uh, nice bloke Clark Hunt, lovely bloke, um, really lovely bloke, um, and uh, he was talking about um, owner of the um, owner of the well
0: is he the owner chairman uh where? he's the owner of the of the county chiefs the i believe Chief. uh yeah. also the, the family certainly own it he's the top guy yeah. within that just in case people didn't know uh, also the head of
1: the international committee um uh, among owners and he uh, uh he was saying that the early kickoffs in london um were very positive in his opinion for that reason because he was talking about with the chiefs um when you play over here at that time you can fly back and you can get back Uh, from those early kickoffs in London get back home even if it's a longer flight at about the same sort of time on Monday morning as you might from a a West Coast trip or from a a big trip somewhere else and I think that he said that even though there's jet lag even though there's other stuff going on just the fact of players getting home at the same time makes a huge difference to keeping in a routine and I think it was just something that thought of how specifically NFL players are tied to their routine And, and I think if you spend time around the actual practice sessions you see why because it's such a discipline of repeat 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 that um i think that um it just sort of yeah
0: rung a little bell with me about how important those routines are i like look what happens when we get a proper journalist on talking about proper proper things it's 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 great analysis i'm enjoying this Uh four days like no other a festival like no other for a bookmaker like no other bet fred Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code ChELT40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Bet Fred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 Plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6 to March 13. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at Betfred.com
2: slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begambleaware.org. When you buy car or home insurance, you can choose a free gift with Confused.com rewards like Green Flag Breakdown Cover, a £20 Domino's or Halford's Voucher, or a Now TV Pass, all for free. But, no but, because that's what free means. No ifs, buts or maybes. Don't be confused, beconfused.com.
4: Available on single annual policies, Now TV 18 plus, full T's and C's online.
0: Um, uh, just let's move on and talk about the games. And I want to start off with two teams who have disappointed either over the season or certainly in recent times. The Vikings falling to five and four, having been five and oh. The Arizona Cardinals, Paola Bandini at four and four and one. And last week, after seeing Seattle suddenly get out of their blocks and look incredibly impressive, you've got to be sitting here thinking to yourself, it's now or never, boys.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. We were just talking about the, the, the Saints and the Panthers as two teams who might have put themselves in a position where now neither of them are going. I look at these teams and think it doesn't matter who wins this game, neither of them's going to play off. <laughs> because there's <laughs> it, bad football being played here. I mean, there really is. And I, you know, I um, had this one in my uh, Guardian uh, preview column this week. And I was. Uh, I hate picking the Cardinals anyway, because as it has been discussed on here, I'm a Cardinals fan. Um, and I hate even more trying to pick them. And I ended up picking them. Despite seeing what I saw against San Francisco last weekend, because... They were horrible. They were horrible for large parts of that game. And the only reason that I was able to, the only reason I was able to, the only reason I came, I came to the, to the, the pick of them in the end is because you've got Minnesota averaging 2.7 yards per carry, which is ludicrously bad, um, against a defense that for all its problems is still a strong defense, um, and if nothing else, Arizona can still run the football.
0: Yeah, uh, David Johnson could be the deciding factor in this one. If they can, if the, the Vikings are a good defense and, and they've not stopped being a good defense because the offense has fallen apart. But mm. it's put a lot more pressure on them, and we've seen them definitely fall off from where they were in the first six, seven weeks of the year. Uh I do think it, it, this is a classic Will Gavin favourite in the trenches game, because you've got two offensive lines in an absolute state right now due to big-name players being missing, the left tackle of both of these teams mm. out injured, and you've got two pass rushes who, maybe when we first looked at these units at the start of the year, we were saying, Good defenses, but are they going to get pressure on the quarterback? Chandler Jones has been absolutely brilliant yeah. for the Cardinals this year. On the other side, if you get that defensive line going, the Everson Griffins of the world, then this it could get ugly quickly. But in the right kind of the good ugly, yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I think Carson Palmer's already been
1: sacked more times this season than he was in all of twenty fifteen. So, um, you know, that's pretty uh, bad indicator. And especially, you know, you're not talking about um a mobile quarterback who can sort of improvise in the fire. Think it's something that um. Uh, is being talked about in Arizona the amount of times you seen Carson Palmer trying to roll out the pocket and make passes i mean that's not carson palmer that's not what carson palmer does at all um so evidently a problems there and i think that's again a testament to david johnson the fact that he's been able to run behind that offensive line still and against good defenses as well but the um but the situation in for for is no better you mentioned Charlotte jones who absolutely i think uh uh at the beginning of this season, certainly there's always this feeling of well, Bill Belichick doesn't make stupid trades. He's going to turn yeah. out to drop off, and he hasn't. Uh, Golden on the other end is is also playing well. Few, I mean, there's a few injury question marks this week for Arizona. I think both Tyra Matthew and um, Dion Buchanan have missed some practice time, but I, th- I think they're both going to play. And if they do, that defense, I just, I mean, the Vikings, the Vikings really. If if you can't run the ball um and you're asking Sam Bradford to win games for you on his own, I mean, that's already a, a red flag. And I stick up for sam bradford sometimes but sam bradford is a quarterback who i think needs the conditions to be right for him to, to look
0: good and i think that behind that offensive line he's, he's not looking good at all we're going to talk christine michael when we come to the packers game but the knowledge that the vikings did also put in a waiver claim for him i think is no surprise whatsoever no. um <clears throat> a tiny tiny glimmer of hope for the cardinals michael floyd's performance at the end of that game against the 49ers, it suddenly looked like it started trusting him again. That offers more deep ball threat for Carson Palmer, which hasn't been there this year. It's a tiny thing. I, You're saying you took the Cardinals in the Guardian. I have taken the Vikings to get back off the schneid. But I've done that the last two weeks, and it's been wrong. So <laughs> expect me to be wrong again. Um, Titans at Colts, which in some ways isn't a good game of football, because... I think the Titans right now are the class of the AFC South. Uh, Josh has tweeted saying, have we ever seen a better red zone quarterback? (coughs) Excuse me. What? That's what happens when you eat, when you're uh, trying to do your job. Uh, A better red zone quarterback than Marcus Mariota through the first one and a half seasons. 30 touchdowns, no picks. I don't think that's hysterical. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I don't get, where this really came from from the titans i think their gm has got to be up there for gm of the year because jack conklin's been such a great pick demarco murray has suddenly rediscovered that form that saw him run for so many yards with the cowboys and uh, the start of the season that exotic smash mouth was something yeah. to take the piss out of and suddenly actually they're doing it and they're going to do it against the terrible colts team
1: well i, I mean i think exotic smash mouth it was like i think last week was just like if you someone had wanted to, to to i don't know draw me a picture of what that meant Cause i think a lot of people heard that and were like what, what does that even mean and and last week demarco murray first of all just trampling over people and then throwing a touchdown pass because because that's we're, pretty exotic because we're exotic you know <laughs> um but uh but he i mean in, in many ways demarco murray feels like a great collective delusion that we all had that because he uh, played well um in Dallas, and oh, they've got a great offensive line. Actually, he was entirely a fabrication of that system, and 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 uh, and we all assume that he's a now not a good enough running back. Whereas actually, turns out he's not a not an old man. Who was a good running back who was put in the wrong system for a year. um I think uh, I think the Titans are playing brilliantly. I mean, what it's it's at least thirty five points in the last three games. But I will say this um, Because I, I picked against them this week And I've regretted it since But I, I picked against them on the basis That it is only three weeks ago For all that offense is doing It's only three weeks ago They lost to the Colts And it wasn't even like A particularly close scoreline The Colts are also playing better Not as much better as, as we think That the Titans are I think that Andrew Luck is playing uh, More like we expect him to be Than he was at the beginning of the season And I do think that Titans secondary On the back end Is a bit ropey and so Suspect Yeah and so Look They are playing really good football At the moment But I think this is uh, this is still going to be a really interesting game I'm not um, uh, I'm not at all certain they take it
0: The other man I'm excited about is Delaney Walker who over that stretch where they have suddenly rediscovered form has been absolutely superb. The Titans play three tight end sets mm. on about 40% of their offensive snaps and that's obviously to help with the running game as well. Mm. What it means is Delaney Walker essentially becomes a downfield threat receiver and they're having real success on first down, big in the red zone for them which uh, Josh mentioned on the tweet I'm taking the Titans but you've kind of convinced me that maybe I'm wrong <laughs>
1: well I mean, the other thing is that because of that game three weeks ago since then the Colts have got back Moncrief, Dwayne Allen and Jack Muhor a guard so th- there's, there's, a, there's a really logical argument which I bought into when I was writing it that the Colts should win this game but on a sort of instinctive level I'm not
0: sure I believe it I think I still slightly think the Titans are going to win brilliant um Bucks at Chiefs, which might not be the sexiest game on paper this week, but it rounds off our, our early games we want to talk about. And I want to talk about this one because James tweeted us saying, Kansas schedule to date, very kind, failed their only test against Pittsburgh. Do you see them as a real contender? I mean, I reject that premise sort of right away because all right
1: i know they haven't got a winning record but going away to carolina last week was a test to say that wasn't a test is is a little bit um disingenuous for me so i think uh i find that slightly um
0: uh slightly i've had this team who'd won two on the bounce as well and look really good off the bat and and should
1: have won that game that's the thing should have won that game and didn't the chiefs also win in oakland or am i making that up um I think they did. Yes. So there's been a couple of tests that they've got through that seem pretty significant to me. They're also eighteen and three in their last twenty one games, going back to last season, which is a stat that um well, I found out last week when it was seventeen and three and I had not noticed this happening. And so now every time I think about the Chiefs, I think about that. Eighteen and three over a twenty one game stretch is astonishing. So I do think it's time to take this game this team pretty seriously. I don't think we can sort of write
0: them off as oh, they've just beaten up on bad teams. I think they're I think they're a contender. I think they should hammer the Buccaneers this week. The yep. Buccaneers, uh, despite the fact that I like uh, Jameis Winston, I think he's actually having a good season mm-hmm. with an otherwise bad team. And Mike Evans is is got to be up in that conversation with those top three or four wide receivers based on his performance. But the what the the interesting point I see from what James is saying is that beyond the Buccaneers this week, they go to Denver, to Atlanta then they have the Raiders again and then the Titans who actually are a team set up to do yeah. well against what the Chiefs do so well on defense because the Chiefs you just can't throw on them that yeah. secondary is so good but actually uh, until Houston's back full time and, and looking up to scratch I think they are a team you can run on um the other guy to mention is Spencer Ware who mm. uh has been in and out of the team in the last couple of weeks with various little knocks and niggles and I think that that Spencer Ware is being underrated in the conversation of running backs going forward. And I think when you look at fantasy next season, uh, and we'll have uh, Neil Dutton's Fantasy Darlings coming up shortly, when you look at fantasy next season, actually coming into that conversation, people are going to talk about Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson as the top three. I think if you then got Spencer Ware towards the end of the first round on this Chiefs offense, you'd be looking pretty good
1: yeah absolutely i think spencer wears a, a, a real talent and i think that's that's evident and i think they've got some little things going for them better tyreek hill getting more involved in the passing game maybe giving a, a valid outlook there um in the end this team's strength is still its defense i, I think I, I i think you were just saying this night, i i agree that um they don't match up great with the titans because i think the titans as i said their biggest weakness is really sort of going deep on them and i don't think alex smith is going to start doing that tomorrow so uh I think uh I think that there's no question that the that the remaining part of their schedule is very tough. Um and that it would be sort of optimistic to assume that they're going to steamroll through that. I don't think that's where they are, but I think to ignore them and say they're not a contender right now is also false. I think they can win some of those games. They don't have to win all of them because they're what 7 and 2 right now?
0: Yes. The game that you won't be watching on Sky this week is Eagles at Seahawks. (laughs) Um, uh, The the reason I find this one intriguing is because the Eagles got back on it last week up against the Atlanta Falcons 24-15 and they did it with some really impressive, interesting looks on defence. It came back to that Jim Schwartz throwing all sorts of bizarre looks on the front at you, throwing all sorts of different blitzes at you. And, And whilst the Seahawks have been much improved in that area and I believe that Russell Wilson is looking back to his best and cj pro was very impressive last week there is a chance for the eagles to go in and get an upset if they do what two or three three teams have managed to do to the seahawks this year really put wilson under pressure with that still not great offensive line and keep the score low because the dolphins did it the rams did it and they've got a comparable defense in terms of the defensive front the eagles does that mean i think they're going to win No I I said it on the earlier podcast this week I think the Seahawks are really back In a big way But it wouldn't be the first time that the Seahawks Have made us think that and then fallen off again In uh, in mid-season in recent years no, that's fair.
1: Um and and I you know the, the timing of the Christian Michael decision was a little bit odd as well, to, to sort of do that before we've seen Thomas Rawls come back and and, and join. I don't know, as you say Procise ran well, but um you sort of imagine that, that, that Rawls is a part of that picture for them to to carry on without him. And so there, there there are some question marks there, but I don't know. I still I think they're gonna win this weekend. I think they they look like a good
0: team right now. Give some love to Brandon Graham of all players. I just <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not a name who jumps up regularly, but he's having the best season he's had of his career since he was taken 10th overall about four or five years ago by the Eagles. He was drafted very high and has never had the production to suggest that. Yep. He's having an absolute monster year. He's on course for his first ever double-digit sacks. Yep. And opposite Barwin with Fletcher Cox inside of him. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. And um, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, I, can you tell I'm tired? Um, and Jim Schwartz doing what he's doing. just Just quietly having a great year. Um let's talk Christine Michael because Josh I don't know if it's the same Josh or a different Josh lots of J people tweeting us today uh, said will Christine Michael give Green Bay a run game teams have to respect and in turn help the receivers get open hashtag tell T- TGS Packers at 4 and 5 going to Washington at 5 and 3 and 1 poor Ollie Hunter is having a very Very rough time of it right now with his Packers. I know he's out in LA and he's living up, up in the sun and he's probably enjoying himself. But the Packers are having a tough time. Aaron Rodgers having to come out this week and stick up for his head coach. The head coach having to come out and stick up for Aaron Rodgers. It's all got a little bit tough for Green Bay. What do you make of Christy Michael coming into that team and them going to Washington this week?
1: Well, I mean, to answer the question directly, do I think that he is going to make them a running team that uh, people will uh, suddenly respect the run? The answer is no. Why um, be- <laughs> not? Um, you be- kidding me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you tell him, Jim Mora. Uh, I. Uh, I, I just think um, there's so many reasons in which I don't think that's that's uh, likely. First of all, he's coming in not even a mid-season, beyond mid-season to a team. We're going to take a little bit of time to, to pick things up. Secondly, why are we assuming that suddenly McCarthy is going to start... Uh, being run, a good play yeah, caller, running the, running the football. I mean, <laughs> for a couple of weeks there, he had Ty Montgomery averaging like six, seven yards a carry, and he gave him about six or seven carries. So the the the, the offensive balance isn't suddenly going to be restored by Chris and Michael being there, not unless something happens to fundamentally change the coaching outlook. So uh, unfortunately, I'd love to be more optimistic than that for you. I, I don't think it's
0: going to turn things around. I think um I think Green Bay are in trouble. What's been amazing is this offensive line are doing a really good job in Green Bay of keeping Rodgers clean for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if their offence was operating properly on a timing basis that receivers were getting open, we wouldn't notice.
1: Yeah, and I've heard some different theories on that, and one which was... uh I was hearing third hand from someone because a journalist who was telling me he'd heard it on another <laughs> podcast. Um, but which is an interesting thing. Uh, apparently from, uh, I think it was originally from the Pro Football Focus podcast about, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, because he has taken to practicing his sort of freelancing, practicing when situations break down in practice. And it's happened, and he's been doing it so much. This theory is being posited that actually maybe what he needs to do is to stop practicing freelancing, which he's brilliant at, by the way. You see that in his, that he's practiced that because in those situations he's brilliant and maybe get back to timing get back to the really simple stuff like just coming out of your drops and doing that because honestly um I'm, I'm 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 definitely uh still of the opinion that he's an exceptional quarterback but he has not looked like it in a while
0: uh just on the point of Christine michael and this is uh my uh one of our nfl insider moments coming up one of our <clears throat> i don't know what that means <laughs> um uh, the uh, a guy who is very reasonably connected within the seahawks both organization and in their media who uh, i'm in a fancy league with and and does some reporting for the bbc he um he talked i kind of caught up with him on christian michael because for me it was weird because he was averaging close to five yards a carry he was carrying the offense and i understand rules was away but i thought christian michael was looking like the guy that they were going to keep for the rest of the year Uh, And I just, I've I've written down, I've got exactly what he said here, so I'm just going to go through it. Uh, Seattle's running back coach would come on the radio and just launch into him. His attitude, his technique, the way he holds on to the ball, he fell asleep during meetings... And then when they went with Procise last week, he spat out his dummy, and that was seen as the final straw. A couple of things uh, that Michael did that kind of sum him up this year. Uh, this season he had a play where Wilson fumbled the snap, and while the ball was still live, uh, Michael was stomping off the field in frustration because he was meant to be getting the handoff. Mm. On another play, his job was to chip the defensive end and then provide a check down option. He blocked the defensive end really well, stuck him on his backside, but then stood there celebrating his block instead of looking for the ball. Wilson, under pressure, threw it at Michael anyway, and the ball bounced off his helmet incomplete. Uh, he said he is athletically capable of being one of the best running backs in the league. Unfortunately, he has the mental capacity of a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a direct quote from anyone, but uh, the, the, and they always said that in the that was in the third on third down with Seattle trailing in the fourth quarter. So is is that is is the mental side of his game going to get improved by Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff? You feel like he's one of those players who had bill belichick gone and got him for their running game not that he needs him right now would put him on the straight and narrow i just don't know if green bay with their history of not bringing in free agents is the right landing spot for someone like that i'm ready to be proven wrong but i'm not sure that's going to happen against washington this week
1: i want to know if that's
0: an american style breakfast biscuit or an english style digestive I hope it's an English style. Did you see that video this week of the man doing the longest ever biscuit dunk? I did. I did. That was amazing. (laughs) He jumped off a bungee 230 feet in the air and managed to accurately dunk a a chocolate digestive into just a normal-sized tea mug. It was incredible. It's it's an astonishing video, and I
1: I feel sort of at the same time overwhelmingly happy for and a little sad for that man because his life is not going to get better from here I mean that is that's the <laughs> pinnacle
0: you can't do better than that no I think you you're can't. right I think you're absolutely right Uh final game I just want to talk about in a little bit more depth because it is happening the first ever game in Mexico and if reported to be believed maybe the last uh, is the Houston Texans at six and three just just soak that in for a moment <laughs> six and three what the what what did they ever do to deserve to be six and three? <laughs> That's a great question. Just play terrible teams. Um uh, They're facing the seven and two Oakland Raiders. This is the prime example. The Raiders have surprised everyone. Even though we thought they were going to be good this year, they've mm. been really good and got seven and two. The Texans have somehow been bad and got to six and three. Uh The wild card here is the fact that it's being played in Mexico, away from the Raiders Stadium, etc., etc. But you'd kind of feel like. If anyone if if you're gonna face somebody to get your big money quarterback off the slide, you don't want it to be the Raiders defense, they have been really good. Yeah. Um
1: and I mean recently in fa- really good. In, in fairness, uh, I was gonna say, yeah, not. in fairness, the Texans, if we ask how they got to six and three, I mean, they they've played some pretty good defence as well. Um I think um I think for me, though, you know, you look at uh that Texans defense and say oh that's been a, a strength for them but actually the thing that they haven't done particularly well is it's defending against the run I think it's a similar situation except a lesser team to what Oakland did against Denver a few weeks ago when they said alright well we're just going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and I would imagine that's what they'll do again this weekend I saw something in the, the Kansas City start um, just uh, earlier today um, they tallied up uh, they'd obviously taken interest in and tallied up uh, how many times each team in the league had gone to six offensive linemen? You're talking about the Titans throwing an extra mm. tight ends to block. Uh, teams throwing an extra linemen to block has been a bit of a trend this year, and the, the Raiders lead the league with with six offensive linemen sets, 130 snaps. Um, I think that the game is being played... Um, That's why Menelik Watson looks like a starter. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I don't the, mean that. We love you, Menelik. Um, the game is being
0: played uh, at altitude. I think it's higher than Mile High Stadium, uh, the Azteca. So. I've never been to the Azteca, but I'd love to go... As, for a football game, I'd love to go. A soccer game, that is. Um, obviously, I'd love to be there on Monday for the football as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. That's news to me.
1: Yeah, so so... I don't know, I just sort of have this image in my head that what's going to happen is that Oakland are going to get together that stable of you know basically unremarkable backs. You know, you're uh, Richard and Latavius Murray and uh, Washington and they're just going to say, all right, we'll just grind and grind and grind and we'll wear you down on defence and at altitude that's going to become really, really exhausting after a while. And the fact that they've got uh, unremarkable running backs but three of them means that they can do that and alternate and, and sort of and punish them on that. So that's sort of how I see this one going. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting because, as you said, the Texans right now are still leading the way in the AFC South. I don't think they're going to stay there because the Titans are playing better football and the
0: Colts are playing better football. But right now, they're they the front runners. Um, I'm working on a piece on the Jaguars at the moment, um, so I had to go back and rewatch that game with Houston. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, there was one thing that you mentioned going to the run game, going to the run game, going to the run game. But interestingly, um, the there were two separate occasions where Bortles. Had wide open receivers down the field and missed on two big throws, and mm. it was bad. It was just bad. But both occasions it was Andre Hal, who appears to be their deep safety. Mm. And Houston have been a good secondary last year, surprisingly. But Andre Hal looked like an absolute liability on those plays. And I just think if they can get some run going, don't be that surprised to see Blackjack Del Rio throw Amari Cooper down the centre of the field a bit more than the outside this week and maybe try and exploit that matchup a bit Mm -hmm. and maybe have a big week this week
1: yeah and I mean look Derek Carr's having a great season it's not like you don't trust him
0: to try and make those throws but uh, it's just um Yeah, more than do balls at least (laughs) (sighs) bottles, what have you done, what have you done Uh, there's just a few other games we want to rattle through quickly then Uh, and this is is kind of devastating that this has now got to the point where this has become a game that we just rattle through I am hard off this bandwagon, can I play these two at the same time it's not going to work but When the Cincinnati Bengals, like that, didn't work at all, but I went with it. This is why we need Ollie here. Ollie, stop going to America. Uh, When the Cincinnati Bengals lost last week, it was finally time for me to get firmly off that bandwagon. This week they faced the four and five Bills, who've impressed in fits and spurts this year. Uh, But neither of these teams look like AFC playoff teams, particularly when what's happening in the West. The only real hope for the Bengals is that if the Ravens lose this weekend... And even if the Steelers win, there's nobody above 500 in their division. That's the tiny glimmer of nonsense hope. But really, Mm. the Bengals are in trouble. And Marvin Lewis, is he in trouble? He could be, yeah. I mean, it depends
1: how the season ends, I suppose. Because uh, there is still enough at run that can end even without the playoffs in better ways and worse ways. I think it's going to probably tend towards the worst way so yeah it could well be in trouble um i think uh rex ryan said this week that it's going to take you know normally if you win 10 games you're going to get in and so there's still a chance for, for for both teams but actually um i'm not even certain the 10 wins will get you in in the in the afc this year because it's a competitive race and uh yeah i, I think
0: the bills are a better the better team in this mix but i think both these teams might be cooked i also think the bengal's o-line has struggled this year especially compared with last year and uh even though it's admitting that a rob ryan defense have looked good this year they did lots of little stunts against the seahawks and looked really impressive doing it and i think they might do that again uh i've taken i've taken the bills um uh, do you yeah. do the Gridiron Pick'em
1: League? I do uh, I'm annoyed you're doing, about it. You're doing better than I am I'm, as doing, well, I'm I doing pretty well But I'm two picks behind Sherry And both of those picks Are Thursday nights I forgot to submit That I got correct oh. And I can, I can prove it Because I also <laughs> do the
0: NFL uh Oh well I'll, I'll update it If you can prove it I can prove it Yeah all then sort right. that out off air But uh, right. uh, <laughs> uh, uh Jags at Lions Um but I don't,
1: Was I supposed to say that i picked the Bills I don't know if I said that I, ha- I have picked the Bills um, Yeah I, we all believe you That's um fine. But uh The uh Jags at Lions Yeah um I mean, as you've been talking about, Blake Bortles is horrible right now. I mean, we've seen a little bit more, at least, of Alan Robinson the last couple of weeks, which is nice, but. <laughs> that team is unfortunately severely hindered by its
0: quarterback um, i have a bold prediction for this game what's that this is going to be the first time this season that the lions are not going to be losing in the final 90 <laughs> seconds of the game <laughs> they are not going to need a fourth quarter comeback this week in order to get a w in the column i'll buy that yeah i think that's probably right <laughs> the two and seven bears of the six and three giants uh, if the lions did lose this week then i'm calling the nfc north our division of disgrace it's happening there's some talk this week about whether or not the bears are tanking to get a good quarterback because they want <laughs> rid of jay cutler uh and they've obviously roundly rejected it but that bears defense has got better and better and better as they've got healthier and healthier and i thought were really good last week actually mm. and unlucky because they four turnovers in the first half only turned into something like 16 points yeah um and that was all on the Bears' defense being really good, even though I like Jameis Winston. But they fell apart in the second half, and the Giants are kind of quietly bubbling away in the wild card picture. And I think because Dallas are almost having Dallas being so good in their division helps the Giants because they can just quietly chip away in the background. I remember they've done that twice before: yeah, well, two thousand and seven, I mean, two thousand and ten. They just chipped away in the background, and suddenly were a Super Bowl team.
1: Hypothetically, if if Dallas were to lose to Baltimore this weekend, which I don't think is outside the realms of, of possibility, um. And the Giants win. Hey, suddenly that's an interesting race. But um, the uh, I mean the Bears. I think it's an interesting hypothesis about uh, the the draft pick. Unfortunately, you'd have to convince me that uh, of how they've managed to convince Jay Cutler to be complicit in his own <laughs> in his own undermining uh, um, the there. I don't. Know. You don't. You don't have to com- convince <laughs> Jay Cutler. Just run some plays that involve him doing anything with his brain. Um, yeah, I mean it, that was already an ugly looking offense before Alshon Jeffrey got himself suspended. So um, you'd certainly think the Giants will win.
0: Uh, there are two games left they both involve teams that should be quite dominant in the fc one definitely is one certainly isn't going up against terrible terrible football teams the patriots uh at the 49ers the only thing of interest to me in this game so tom brady has never played the 49ers in san francisco no way grew up in the area grew up a 49ers fan and a joe montana fan this will be the first time he plays in the bay area against the 49ers Wow, i didn't know that interesting fact for you yeah um i think the last time was the matt castle season that's why and obviously with the rotation they only play every eight years in one stadium so um otherwise i don't want to talk about this game and the steelers at four and five facing with the browns big ben was asked in his press conference the other day can you name every browns quarterback you've faced and he just laughed (laughs) he literally just laughed he didn't even
1: try oh that's so sad um, there was a uh, there was a quote from uh, I mean Hugh Jackson seems like he gave some colourful press conferences this week but there was just one quote which I uh, highlighted because it was just summed up uh, the situation which is I will be the first to tell you there are times when I wake up and go Wow what am I doing. <laughs>
2: No, it's oh, slightly
1: unfair to take it back, right because he's talking about you know the the whole build-up. To that is about him saying, "No, you know, I I believe that we can turn this around, and and I think that um uh, we are trying to become division champs and Super Bowl winners, which is big, um a big thing to
0: say." Do uh, you know Cleveland right now could still win the AFC North? <laughs> That's, t- that's true. They won't, to be clear. But they could. Um, but just d- saying. Just saying.
1: I just sort of. I just sort of. I enjoyed. I suppose. In, you know. It's his image. He shared it with us. The 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 sort of. I enjoyed it sort of. Say mean way. But Hugh Jackson sort of waking up in the morning going. What am I doing? <laughs> what? Because
0: I-, I believe he's a good coach. Hugh Jackson. Actually, I believe he's a good coach. But that team is. I actually think that they have more reason for hope there than the 49ers do.
1: I don't think I don't think they're going to go without a win and I think that the game that I circled when I was looking at it right now is I think they've got um, the Bengals still to come and the way the Bengals are, are, are teetering at the moment I can see that being a, an interesting game but I don't think they're going to stop uh, Pittsburgh I think Pittsburgh, despite their record despite the fact that they are um, definitely soft on defence and shooting themselves in the foot more than they should they're still a good team there you've still got Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback Levy and Bell at running back and Antonio Brown out running routes they're going to score a lot of points this week
0: couple of underwhelming offensive performances from the Steelers. That could all be turned around this weekend. Uh, that's all the games. We do have to quickly do, uh, because I forgot it last week, and I feel ever so bad about it. And I'm sure he'll join us on Monday. We're going to do... That's something silly. We're going to do a call-in show on Monday so we'll do get in touch with us on twitter we'll call you so you don't have to pay anything but we're just going to do a tell t a call tgs you call up i'll chat with you we'll maybe get a studio guest as well haven't really decided yet but we'll do it on monday night and it's going to be lots of fun so join us for that one in the meantime before we sign off here are neil dozens of fantasy darlings
4: There are two quarterbacks in the NFL who've scored at least 15 fantasy points in their last eight games. One is Cowboys rookie Dak Prescott, while the other is Tyrod Taylor. Taylor faces a Bengals defence this week that is allowing the fifth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks in 2016, giving up 260 passing yards per game and allowing two rushing scores to quarterbacks. The elusive Taylor has at least five rushing attempts in eight of nine games this season and his four rushing touchdowns are tied for first among signal callers. Although Taylor is widely owned in NFL.com leagues, he's only starting in less than 14% of them. Seriously, tower owners, if you don't want him, give him to me. Please. Cardinals quarterback, Carson Palmer, has thrown for 300 yards in his last three games, signalling something of a return to 2015 form for him, but he has only one multi-touchdown game since week two. Despite recent struggles, the Vikings' defence is yet to allow a three-touchdown game this season, and the most any team has passed against them is 261 yards. It's looking like another long day for Palmer in a season of very long days. The Green Bay Packers' defence such as it is, has allowed six receiving touchdowns to wide receivers in the last four weeks, and 14 all season. They're the fourth most generous unit to opposing wide receivers in the league, which is good news for Redskins wide receiver Jamison Crowder. He has three scores over his last four games, and is averaging nine targets and six receptions over that span. With Deshaun Jackson likely to be missing due to injury, Crowder figures to be the second best option on what is annoyingly one of the best offenses in the game at present. Fancy football fans have enjoyed the return to action and form of Tyler Eifert over the last few weeks, but it's safe to say that Bengals running back Gio Bernard and his owners are not quite so enthused. The pass-catching specialist in the Bengals backfield, Bernard has just five receptions in the three games since the return of Eifert. The Bengals opponents this week, the Bills, have allowed the second-fewest receptions to running backs this season, and it would seem that if anyone out of the Bengals backfield is worth a look this weekend, it won't be Geo. Riding along in the wake of one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league at present was Shard Matthews, his wide receiver 10 over the last four weeks. He has seen just 20% of total team targets in that span, but his and Marcus Mariota's red, red zone link-ups have ensured fantasy relevancy. Matthews has caught all seven of his red zone targets on the year, with five going for touchdowns. The Titans take on the Colts this week, who have allowed the eighth most passing scores this season and multiple touchdowns in seven games. Poor old Gary Barnage. The Browns tight end hasn't scored a touchdown in any of his 37 receptions this season and things don't look like improving this week as he takes on the Steelers. The Black and Gold have given up just two receiving scores to tight ends this season and it would be a surprise to see the current tight end 20 make any real fantasy impression against them. Barnage has not been able to establish any kind of chemistry with Cody Kessler, averaging nearly 20 less yards in games that Kessler has started compared to games that the legion of other Browns signal callers have done. Poor old Gary Barnage. Neil Dussan's fancy darlings there.
0: Paolo, thank you very much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come and join us. Quite all right. Uh, It was good fun. Yeah. Um, I I don't really know what else to say at this point. Normally at this point I rib Ollie about something (laughs) or... Or wind him up or get him to tell me some stories about silly things that have happened at work. So is there anything you'd like to share? Is there anything you'd like to tell the nation about? The nation is a stretch. The few thousand people who actually bother listening to our show, maybe they will just download and none of them listen. Um is there anything you would like to share with the group? I really feel like something funny must have happened in my life in recent
1: times that I can share and I can't think of anything. I feel so, so suddenly overwhelmed with sadness at my lack of a funny story in my recent, in my recent weeks. yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't reflect well, does it? Uh, no. It reflects fine. Uh, it's okay, buddy.
0: <laughs> I still believe in you. <laughs> uh, otherwise, Paolo, thank you very much. Uh, you follow him on Twitter if you don't already. He's really a prolific tweeter. Yeah, i promise you, such a prolific tweeter. <laughs> uh, also, listen to him uh, when he's on the Guardian podcast, because it's very funny, and I really enjoyed it this week, Paolo. Thank Just you. I wanted to say that to you. Yeah. Uh, follow his Italian football work, his NFL work, Guardian.co.uk, the Gridiron magazine, and I'm sure he'll be joining us for some podcasts at the Super Bowl, if not before. Oh, and next week, Thanksgiving, we're going to do maybe the tail end of the early game, get some food and do the middle game. So if anyone wants to come to the Hippodrome, come say hello. Always a great idea. Bang. Thank you very much for listening. Join us on the tour. Do all the other stuff at Gridiron. I forget about it all now. But uh, love you, bye. This has been The Gridiron Show.
4: (laughs) Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, 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 horse. horse. (coughs) Full terms apply. 18 plus only. (laughs) BeGambleAway.org